Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 278 of Lave Radio, the show that likes to talk about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Commander Phoenix Defire, Chief Archivist of Lave Station, otherwise known as Colin Ford. And in the orange sidewinder bar for this episode, we have our Deputy Trade Attaché, Commander Souverine. What up? We have our Lavian Space Program Director and uh, Commander Kurgle. Hey, good evening. We have our Inhuman Resources Director, Commander Shan. Hello. And we have our Head of Health and Safety and Smutmeister himself, Commander Aid Vice, as Ben Moss Woodward. My joystick's not wiggling. <laughs> and um, if you wish you can uh, join us live we are trying to hang out in game I'm at the moment trying to get back to the orange side of the bar near the planet leaf, hopefully I'll turn up before the end of the show um, if you can't get to us in game you can also join us in the Twitch chat channel which you can access through laveradio.com slash live and click on the live chat or you can go to Twitch TV slash laveradio so we're going to go around the crew as per usual and see what they've been up to for the last week. And we will start this week, I think, with um, Commander Kurgel. How have you been? I've been pretty good. It's my last week in my current job, so it's been crazy. Um, so work's been taking up most of my life. I've enjoyed very much spending a few hours this evening uh, just shooting things in a resource extraction site. To relax. Right. Uh, nice, and, nice and easy, then. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Commander Souverine, have you been? Very well, thank you. Um, and I enjoyed the uh, the sensual and seductive way that you <laughs> growled my moniker there. That was exciting. I, w- um, I was trying to remember how to pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> That's that is fair. I'm a very very new member of the team whose name you very rarely said. So uh, so yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm good. I've been. Um, I've been very, 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 very busy, um, loads and loads of work, and it came to a head slightly uh, on a, on Sunday or so, and I was just like, do you know what? I am done with working this hard. So uh, yesterday and today, I've been taking it slightly easier. Um, I had like several sort of 15-hour days um, pretty much in a row. Um, but I punctuated that with um, ego inflation. Uh, on Friday, I went on Exegesis. Uh, live stream. I, I think he does a regular series with um, like community guests. Um, so I went on there on Friday um, to talk Sagai and Parallel Worlds, and um, and then on Saturday uh, I had my interview with the Loose Screws guy. Uh, uh, guys, sorry, um, which is brilliant. So I came away feeling like a celeb, um, and uh, and they let me talk for three hours. Just three hours. They asked me questions and then just nodded sagely at my answers. It was wonderful. Um, I've never as felt opposed so to here, where we interrupt you every other word. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, and ridicule my answers. Absolutely, yes. Um, so that was fun. And um, and then what did I do at the weekend? Absolutely no idea. Oh yeah, had somebody's birthday party on Sunday. Um, I've I've reached the age which um, at which when I'm invited to a party, it's an absolute coin flip as to whether it'll be a normal like room full of adults doing adult things like swearing and drinking alcohol or a crash ah. and this and this was the latter i walked in and the the table was full of party food like children's party food um 
and like you know, four different bit. types. No, no, it's not. Like four different types of cake and then loads of... Uh, no, 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 you don't I mean, get the point. That sounds pretty great. Yeah, you don't get the point, too. The point is, is you serve the cake so that you can stuff your face full of cake and not look a pig because <laughs> it's the only thing there is. Yeah, fair. I actually don't love cake. I don't have much of a sweet tooth. So, uh, But anyway, that wasn't the point. The point was that like nearly half the people there were children, like tiny, tiny little toddlery children. And their parents. Are you afraid Mrs. Sue might catch something then? <laughs> no, no, we, we, we've, uh, we, we have a, I made it very clear early on that, um, that I would rather chew my toes off than have children. And she's pretty down with that. But, but she did warn me that the revulsion on my face was hard to, I'm quite an emotive person and um, <laughs> I'm not very good. I'm not very good at hiding dislike. And uh, I was sat there surrounded by these wailing small humans and uh, and apparently i would just look like <laughs> just look utterly disgusted but, you're um, a 20 something victor meldry really aren't you uh, i'm 32 now actually but yes absolutely but it was it's just it was it was just incredible like it was it was literally exactly the same as a children's party same food like we we sang happy birthday even though the, the person whose birthday it was is actually older than me it's just and this is the problem like now i'm 32 it's an absolute coin flip when i'm invited to something as to whether it's going to be one or the other like, I really wish there was some kind of, like, you know, like when you're invited to things, the, the text said, like, by the way, this is the shit kind of party. Like, just some kind of heads up, you know, some kind of warning. But uh, as a parent, Sue, that's a great party because it means your kids can run around, make a noise and mess up someone else's house. <laughs> and you don't have to do anything about it. Yeah, fair, fair. We did, um, we established a little corner. We set up a little a little independent state of uh, of childless couples in the corner and um and had fun talking about adult things um while everybody else was was uh coloring and coloring books and stuff this sounds like an episode of men behaving badly or something like that doesn't it i wish it was that fun but that was fine that was okay i got through it it's fine yeah it's, it it sounds as if you had a fine time yes we can really <laughs> tell the relaxation in your voice when you discuss this <laughs> It's uh, it's mostly for effect. It was okay. I got through it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say excellent because it didn't sound as if you had an excellent time. <sighs> uh, oh, okay. Shan, how have you been? Well, I have not had any parties with cake, unfortunately. Or even sausages with little bits of cheese and pineapple on. I've had quite a normal week this week. The exercise re- regime went on hold last week because um, Elvis mini Shan, he hurt his foot so he couldn't run, and so he couldn't, uh, he couldn't go. And Mrs. Shan, she was too tired after a hectic day at work, so I didn't manage to do anything. But they did go and do a run, I did, they did go and do a 12-kilometer run on Saturday morning, and I didn't fancy that, so I said, well, someone's got to look after the dogs all morning. What else has been going on? In-game, yes, I've been busy gathering engineering stuff, and Update on getting additional engineer ranks with engineers I never usually use. So I've just been kind of leveling up random pieces of equipment to uh, get ready for events in the future. Great. We'll we'll be discussing those events probably quite soon. And finally, we have Ben. I've had a fairly major change to my life that I'm finding really surreal at the moment. Apparently, for the past year or so, I've been blind or something like that. 
and I've been wondering why I can't read anything. And eventually I got round to going off to the uh, to the optician, mm-hmm. and the optician were like, yeah, you need a pair, pair of reading glasses. You know, you're in your 40s now, buddy. You've been working with computers for the past 20-odd years. You yeah. need to get something to actually, so you can see the bloody screen again. And yes. Coding I'm glasses. Tra- yeah, essentially coding glasses. So tell me you got circular ones that made you look like Penfold from Danger Mouse. I did not. No. <laughs> so just to give anyone on Twitch a giggle, I'll send a link to them uh, if I can do that. I would send a link to them if I could actually get on the stream chat. Maybe one of you guys can. Um, we'll put it in the show notes, especially. No, we will not. But I don't mind going on stream. Um, so, but I'm, I'm but fine. This is a podcast, not a stream, so it needs to go on the show notes. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I think I think it'll be a little unfair for the rest of the world to have that inflicted on them. Yeah. So, um, uh, but no, yeah, I, but I, don't, I, don't I think everyone. I, well, the thing is, though, if you ever if we did put it up there, uh, everyone would be going out to bed and go, "Crikey, cool, no. chief!" <laughs> <laughs> I don't look as any. Uh, I've got yeah. There is a commander whose name is Penfold, and he does look like Penfold in so many ways. <laughs> Uh, and Pen- P- Penfold's a lovely guy. Lives near Birmingham. Yes, we're not being rude to Penfold. I'm just sort of yes. comment. Penfold equality. <laughs> um, but no, I've just got they're just thin, um, square, rounded glasses. You can um, tell. You can tell the age uh, of our listenership uh, just by the amount of danger mouse quotes suddenly appearing in the chat. <laughs> I can't connect to the chat. I don't know what's going on with that. I can see the stream, but I can't see the chat window at all. <laughs> Did you so, not then? I, I don't know what it's doing. Um, you haven't got I, coding I, glasses on. No, I do have my coding glasses on because I'm trying to figure out what the hell it's doing. What, I, what I'm finding. Gone I did. <laughs> uh, what I find really weird, though, is as I move my. as I look around. It's changing the focal length on my display, so my display wobbles a little bit as I'm looking at it, as it, you know, as, as different parts of it get in, affected by different bits of the lens or something. I don't know, but I, I just it looks. I'm, I'm just getting used to it, and it's weird because um, I've never used glasses before in my life. Oh, so you? This is the first time you've had to wear glasses, then? This is the very first time I've had to wear anything other than sunglasses. Yeah. It, it's so bizarre. Well, I suppose I'm just kind of used to it, really. Yeah, uh, it's just like, oh my god, it's weird. Yeah, well, at least, <laughs> at least you you've only got one pair of glasses. I now have two because I'm that old. Mm. I've got my coding glasses and then my normal yeah. glasses, which I got swapped between two. Okay. My daughter keeps on suggesting I should have one pair on a pair of um, uh, elastic around my neck, and I'm just there going, "How old do you think I really want to look?" Can you not get like the you you you, you tip your nose up and you've got long distance and you well, look well, down your nose and you've, you've got yeah no. that no I prefer no. To, I prefer to have it separate to be honest because there's one th- my mother has those and mm. there are times when she's looking at you down the down what basically looks like her nose at you because she's focusing on clothes <laughs> <laughs> and it, it can lead to a lot of misunderstandings right. <laughs> if you if you don't know what's going on, um, let's see. I mean, 
Yeah, I think that's I think that's about the only exciting thing that's actually happened in my life the past week. Um <laughs> Well, okay. Um, let's see uh, what has been happening in the in the world of of Ford. Um, I've been taking a break from the game, to be honest. It's the first time I've been back in it for a week, um, mostly because on uh, Thursday when I discovered that, uh, as we'll, we'll discuss later, Titan's daughter got hit. Uh, I thought, oh, I can't be bothered because I've been fighting Thargoids and I need to take a break from fighting Thargoids because you know. You do it too often, and then it just dies. So I thought, oh, I'll just have a quick look at Mass Effect 3 again. And I started a new character, and then I thought, why am I starting a character in Mass Effect 3? I went back to Mass Effect 1, and for the last week I've been speedrunning Mass Effect 1. Uh, so I'm now on Mass Effect 2 with this new character. And it's <laughs> I just keep on forgetting how good that damn game is. So yes, um, it's the first time I'm back in the game, and uh, as as Suv, you could probably um, testify to this that when you have taken an, a period of time away from the game and you come back, it kind of uh, rejuvenates your enthusiasm. Yeah, totally, absolutely. Yeah. I recommend I, re- I recommend people do it a couple of times a year. It's um, uh, it's when um, it's when you take enough time away that that doing things like approaching a station still like elicit the wow moment and like hyperspace jumps, you're still, and you, you know, have you like looking out of the windows being like, wow, look at, you know, look at the effects. Um, it's yeah, it's really, uh, I think a break is a very healthy thing to do. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm certainly coming around to that way of thinking. So, uh, moving on from here, we, uh, have had a little bit of, uh, news from frontier um first of all we're we're going to discuss the uh on the 21st of february uh frontier are doing their um money raising stream for special effect uh game blast 20 um now i i must have missed this one uh so guys who can tell me give me details about what this one is oh that's what you said wasn't that they the the um 24 hour stream that usually happens around Christmas time has been moved to coincide mm-hmm. with Game Blast. Now we don't know what the events are in precisely, although we'll give some hints on the Monday live stream. So there were hints given that there may well be um, other gross activities other than eating bugs and snails and puppy dogs' tails. Um, and a very sick Steve Kirby. Yeah, that's right. So I don't think we'll be getting that, but I hope they replace it with something equivalent. Um, I don't know. Maybe they'll stand in a room and have lots of Chinese people breathe on them or something. I don't know. But <laughs> oh, okay. So, sorry, that's true as usual. Of course. But anyway, we don't. We it, it'll be something along those lines. Um, one bit of snippet of information that did come out on Monday's live stream mm-hmm. was that after the twenty-four hour live stream, and did say like. Not the minute it finished, but soon yeah. afterwards, they are going to release more information about fleet carriers. Um, was, it, was, it, was it just fleet carriers, or was it more bug fixes as well? Um, it was. They specifically said fleet carriers. Now, right. I pro, I inquired on the live stream: Is this meeting news, or is this you know another fleet carriers are coming next year, and and that's the news? 
um, they wouldn't they wouldn't say which one it was. Um, just that we should listen out for it. Ah, so nothing nothing new there. Just an announcement about an announcement about maybe of an announcement. It's probably the release date. It would be it would be nice. I mean, uh, to get some news because yes, as you can see, it's it's rather quiet. I mean, even when other podcasts are, they're, they're all struggling as well <laughs> to, c- to come up with things to keep on talking about Elite Dangerous at the moment. So, yes, it would be nice to end this drought with a little bit of rain. So, with the other, uh, the other thing that uh, we should mention is that um, the mining uh, situation, these rare commodities, uh, they have been kicking up a fuss left, right and centre um, across most of the content creators and on the forums, uh, leading to um, a notice regarding the supply and demand of high-end materials. Uh, now, according to this, these posts, um, they've said they're they're now listening to the community. Uh, mostly, the first one was that it looked like low-temperature diamonds missed the cull, and all of a sudden, low-temperature diamonds has now started to be culled, if you like. Um, and we've had other com- uh, other commentators say that you know mining wasn't nerfed, trading was, and all that kind of stuff. But just quickly going around um, everybody, what what do you think? Do you think they've got this right by sort of um, dialing back on on these things? Uh, and then do you think that the the reaction has been okay? So personally, a comment, I, okay. There's a comment on the official forum thread by a player. Mm-hmm. It says that it looks like the like the change in price of your commodity is based on the amount of commodity you have in your inventory, rather than it being like a tracked stat of how popular that resource is. And if that's the case, I feel like that's a the idea is good, but the implementation is bad. Um, it might be that that's just a bug and it isn't working how they want it to, but there does seem to be quite some evidence stacking up that it is based on your commander rather than the state of the world. Yeah, Ben, do you want to jump in there? I would honestly, I'd like to see it extended to all commodities. It only makes sense. If I'm going to sell you five tons of brandy, you're going to offer me a hell of a different price than if I'm going to sell you 700 tons of brandy. What about so, a what about a ship that's like a station that's under repair that wants three hundred thousand units of some material to do their repairs? Do you think yes. that they would be giving you less for a, a cutter's well, worth of cargo? Doesn't doesn't this doesn't this um, all hinge on the demand stat on on the trade board? Because if you're in um, if you're doing these trade runs for repairing stations. All those particular um, commodities all have nine 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 nine, which is the maximum you can have. Mm-hmm. And at that point, there the price stays the same no matter how much you um, you take in. Now, um, one of the things that Stephen did say about this, uh, which took me by surprise actually, he said um, commodity costs have been calculated in this way since 2014, so right from the beginning of the game. Um, however, since recent changes to high-end minerals, this has been highlighted by commanders who have checked how and where you to get the best prices. So the upshot of all this is that 
if you turn up in a, say, a T9 with 500 tonnes of, let's say, low-temperature diamonds, and someone else will turn up in uh, a Cobra with uh, 40 tonnes of low-temperature diamonds, um, that Cobra will get a higher price than um, the T9. And apparently it's always been that way. I mean, I've, I've, that's what I've, I, I get to understand. Is that what everyone else is? Yeah, that, I think that so. seems to be the meat and potatoes of the complaint. Mm. I don't, I don't um, know why it. I don't know why that design decision was made. Really, just to just to just to try and even the playing field a bit. Um, yeah, it was to try and uh, keep people to get you know to help people with smaller ships get up faster. So if if you were trading your way up, um, getting going from small ship to small ship was you'd get more money per per ton, so things would be easier. Mm. But these days, people just skip the small ships. And that's but, one of the reasons why I think fleet carriers won't have the ability to carry cargo. Mm. Because you'd wreck the BGS if you dumped 500,000 tons of something. On. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing about fleet carriers is always... It's got... A, one of the things that they've always said about... Um, one of the support ships you can get is trade, and I must admit that's one of those things where I'm going, oh, how does how's that going to work without wrecking the BGS? And and I guess we're going to have to wait and see what they come up with, and then grumble about it. Yeah, but it doesn't. It makes sense though. Surely, no matter how much stuff you offer, even if it's like, help me, I'm rebuilding New York, mm. and we need a bazillion tons of cargo. If you show up and you've got you're in a great big cargo container, you're going to be asking for less per unit than somebody who's you know, just taking a couple of units of of concrete to you know and dropping them off. You know, it's just that's the, that's the bulk economy to sale, isn't it? Yeah, it make, I mean, the, it makes yeah. sense, and I wish we had it for everything. I really do. Well, you see, this is the thing. Well, we do have everything. For this way, because commodity costs like this have been calculated this way since 2014. It's not just the high-end um, uh, minerals have had this. It's just that with the high-end minerals, because you get they're worth a lot more. You see the price difference; uh, it's a lot more visible. If you if you take 500 yeah. tons of food, um, because the cost price of that and the sell price of that is is. Oh. I've not. Much. I don't think it. I mean, it's it can't be because I know you know. I've when I've been doing bulk trading, I let's say, it's so it's based on how much you've got in your hold, isn't it? Yeah. I'd love to. I'd love to go off and do a comparison. If I've got say a hundred tons of hydrogen in my hold versus, and you've got ten tons, who if we both get offered the same amount of money, I'd love to find that out. To, like back in the time, back in the day. Mm. I don't think that I don't think it didn't feel like that changed, but it might have. Um, Silvery, I, I think it's for the oh, best. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> Silvery. No. Uh, if if Ben's finished, Matt made the point in chat that um, that the uh, that it's defensible from a realism sell five hundred thousand shares of a company uh, in the real world, you'll get a lower price per share than um, than you would if you went to market selling fifty, which is true, but it doesn't actually. I think. I think the distinction is that um, if you flooding a market will depress prices, and that is the way it should work, and that is realistic. I think the the implementation that 
that people don't that the people are a little bit concerned that they seem to have discovered is the idea that on the same day a um a, a, a small ship with a small cargo hold will get a will get a higher price per ton than a large ship with a large cargo hold um iris like irrespective of the um of the prices at the market so if if it you know it, it is absolutely as it should be if um if somebody in the t9 comes along and floods the market and then everybody else who tries to sell that day sells at lower price it, it's a different thing to say that the price per ton is actually dictated by what but by how many you're selling rather than like one, one of them's commander specific the other one's market specific does that make sense but it is it is person specific. If you show up in a transit van, they're going to be offering you more per pallet of stuff than if you show up in a in a great big um, oh great big sort of lorry thing, which Arctic lorry or something like that. Well, not necessarily. No, markets no. don't care how. Like, markets yes, they don't do. Care about no, like so, it's all about it's all about the absolute. So if if a thousand transit vans turn up on the same day, it'll depress the price by just as much as if. Uh, a number of Arctic lorries turn up with the same amount of goods. It doesn't matter what. It doesn't matter it what. It does. Market. It really, really does. How? Well, you listen, go along listen, to the trading okay. market and you say, "I've got this to sell, and I'm selling this many." And they say, "Well, we'll offer you that," and you say, "I've got this to sell," and they'll say, "Well, we'll offer you that." And they, they're different values based on what you're selling. So, as a devil's advocate, question: How would you do it <laughs> differently? Yeah, how would you do it differently? Who are you addressing the question to? Well, personally... This, Both this, you and Ben. Well, I'm going to jump in here. Personally, it has to be based on what the demand level is at that particular time in the station. You know, that yeah. demand setting. And the more that you sell, the more that demand value should fall. So therefore, um, if... And it, it, it should be... And this yes, is but if you're offering 10,000 tonnes... Of course, they're going to ask offer you less money. But oh, yeah, no, no, Ben. What ben, if let me demand after you've sold your ten thousand tons? What happens if they need twenty thousand, Ben? The it, it's got, it's yeah. got to be driven by demand at the station rather than what. It's what not the way the real economy works. I'm sorry, but you know, I, I I understand where you're coming from, but that's not the way that actual trading works. No, you see, this, what I was going to say was that it, it, it like I said, it, it matters on the demand. Now, you guys are all thinking that, right, that's 500 tons of one transaction at that price. When in actuality, every ton that you you sell drops the demand down. Yeah, so therefore, correct. at that point, um, you'll get 500, say, 500 credits for the first ton, 499 for the second ton, 498 for the third ton, and so on until it's all gone. So by the time you're done at the 500, you're down, at, you're down to one credit a ton. And you're there thinking, okay, I didn't get as much as 500 credits a ton for the whole load. For the whole load. Yes, but that's because when you go off and you say, "I've got," you go off and say, "I've got 500 or 10,000 or however much you got to sell." You say, "I have this to sell." They say, "We'll offer you this," and if you've got more, they'll offer you less per unit. Which is what I just said. When I you mean, think, think about it, no, but you're saying for one, they'll offer you n. For you, you go no, no, two, no, ben, they'll do ben, n plus n minus one, three n minus, and so which, on. Which, when you, you take the whole five hundred tons as a whole, is worth a lot less yeah. than it was at that that first asking price, isn't it? 
Yes, but it wouldn't. It, the way you the way you described it sounded like it would be you, you go and do one cell, and it's like okay, one is a thousand credits, and then you do two, and it's instead of it being two thousand credits, it would be one thousand nine hundred ninety nine credits. That's right, and and that's not the way it works either, though, which is why the the, the, the trying to simulate how markets work in real life, yeah. and that and is. Yeah, that's why I think that going by how much you've got in your hold, as opposed to how much you you say I wanted to sell. Yeah, well, the the main issue that we with they have is people are turning up, and what I think they're trying to do is they're trying to factor that issue about the more that you're trying to sell it once the price drops into the simulation, and instead of actually um, having it. Uh, taking into account calculated ton by ton, knocking out the demand, they're mm. just doing it as a bulk price at that particular point. But yeah, the I mean, problem with that is... You don't is, have any option to say, I want to sell 100 tons if yeah, you've got 1,000 tons in your, your hold. You don't have that option. And I think, yeah, you're right. You should have that option. Well, so basically you decide to sell 100 tons of your 1,000 tons, you'd get the same amount as the person who turns up with just 100 tons. Yeah. That seems that seems right and fair to me, but that's not the way it works at the moment, unfortunately. No, that's not the way it works at the moment. Yeah. Did I just solve it? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't yeah, even I mean, think. Yeah. I don't even think. Like for me, I think the problem is the demand on most markets is way higher than like a single captain is going to deliver in a shipment. So yes. I wouldn't expect like even a cutter turning up with a full hold shouldn't significantly affect the overall price on the you know maybe a few credits off price. It just seems it's having uh, an inflated effect on a small well, transaction relative to the demand of the station. Well, you see, this is the thing. This, if they are going off the demand, they've dropped the demand of those of rare items by quite a huge amount. So therefore, it the price bottoms out a lot quicker, and people aren't used to seeing that. People have been used to having void a, a huge demand for void opals, and it's it's staying stable. And what they've done is they've said, um, "No, well, we're going to take that away," which again says to me that they've changed trading rules, not mining rules. So I'm agreeing with Commander Plater. <laughs> Yeah, I think I do. I think it is a market change rather than a mining change. Silverine. Um, have there been any complaints that don't boil down to it's it's harder to make money now? No. <laughs> and that, that 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 should that that should really wrap it up then. Like if 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 people were complaining based on gameplay, based on um, lack of information, based on a sensation that the game was wasting their time, then you could sort of it'd be justify revisiting it but it, if it is literally i'm used to being able to make x billion per hour and now i now it's more challenging to do so um i'm not sure i'm not sure that's a particularly defensible argument against it well yeah well all, oh, go on, Sean. yeah it's also the way of the, the way of games isn't it because players find once they're an exploit they, they find they a way of getting more of X for the least effort of Y. 
and they milk it for all it's worth. And the developers say, oh, hang on a minute, that's not working how we want it. So they change it. And there's then a whole lot of QQ and salt on the forums because they changed and took their little activity away. And they, but most, most players eventually will wait for something to come out on Reddit that tells them the next quick and easy thing to do. Um, so in a way, it's human nature, but yeah, you know, I, I kind of not feeling an awful lot of sympathy with the people who's crying because it changed. It's yeah, I, I, I think I'm with, I agree with you there. I think the thing that people are complaining about isn't that it's changed. I think they're trying to understand how it's going to affect markets in the future. And I, I mean, I kind of agree with some of the comments that they've made about not that it's harder to make money. I think that is that part of the change is okay. It's how they're mm. how they're determining. Well, you see, the, the main issue that I have seen from rising from this debate has been the fact that the third-party tools can't keep up. By the time you have uh, discovered something with third-party tools that says there's a gold rush happening over here at um, in Void Opals, by the time you get over there, that gold rush has gone. And that's that's the way that the, the simulation has been changed. It has ended the best way to actually get those prices is using the in-game tools, which is what they're changing at the moment, uh, so that it's easier to find these uh, little trade routes. And to tell you, I think that's right, because the trade tools are there, and I find that they've they've not been used to their potential, because I think all the others, uh, the, the third-party tools have made it too easy, he says, What's I the first thing he I does? Think you're, I think you're right, though, Colin, because many years ago when the game was in beta... Uh, hang hang, hang, hang on a second. Did, did someone get that? Did someone get that? What, 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 what? No, that's, my, that's my new ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Shan, carry on. Sorry, yeah, many years ago when the game was in Gamma, I think it was, there was a tool written by a uh, player called Slopey. Mm-hmm. And what it what it did is it scraped the memory of the game for market values and then recorded them in a database so you could then look at the market prices all over the place and come up with trade routes and all sorts of stuff. Uh, that then got changed, so it then worked on screen grabs. And when that change was, people were up in arms. The fact that Slopey's tool, which is what it was called, um, had been nerfed because all of a sudden they didn't know how to trade anymore. So yeah. I, I, I'm, again, I, I'm lacking sympathy for the people who have to learn um, the in-game tools, because that's what they're for. That's part of the game. You, know, you learn how it works in-game. You learn to read the markets. You learn what, the, what different economies are what, etc. Then, um, Okay, right. Um, well, we're moving on from there. Uh, we've got uh, a bit of, well, I, I consider it sad news. Um, it seems uh, <laughs> strange in the subject of that I was just playing Mass Effect is that Paige uh, Harvey is leaving Frontier, community manager Paige Harvey. Um, she's uh, no more Paulets, no more um, no more trying not to be sick in VRs, in VR pod uh, streams. So, um, yes. Uh, it's it's she's moving on. I'm not quite so sure where she's moving on to, uh, but we do wish her for here at Live Radio a lot of uh, good luck for the future. Because every time that I have met 
uh, Paige. Uh, she's always been happy. She's been bubbly and been really enthusiastic. And uh, she's managed to paint a couple of Sidewinder miniatures for me, which look fantastic. So um, I've uh, always got plenty of time for Paige. Uh, what about you guys? Yeah, I think loss, sad loss for Frontier. But I hope she has a wonderful time in whatever her new job is. Mm. Yeah, I feel the same. I always had good chats with Paige. Um, she was... She's always very friendly and helpful and fun to talk to. So, yes, I think she'll be missed. Because I believe also um, another developer left recently, Adam Burke Wait, I think he went to Team 17, I believe. Yep, I Team 17. Remember. We've had Adam on the show a couple of times, to, and he's a real good expert at the background simulation, wasn't he? Yeah, I think he, he was the main I, dev of the PGS. Yeah, it's Team 17 in Cambridge as well. It's up in Wakefield. Cause... I don't know. I don't know. I could just sort of imagine like a Cold War-style spy swap on the Bridge of Scythe, you know, where they just sort of send Adam across one side and then they have another developer come the other way. There's lots of very tense-looking HR people or something. But yeah, right. um, I, I do wonder, because I, I, I try and connect the dots and I usually come up with five. Um there yeah, there, there have been some high-profile people going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's getting a strange sort of set of affairs when there are players who have been playing the game longer than a lot of the developers and community managers who were there originally. Maybe that's why my, my um, race is the goggles. But I don't well, know. That, I know uh, it's the way it's, people lead, people develop a career, and that's all very good, but... Yeah, well, I'll, I'll just jump in here before letting Souverine in. Um, in the IT industry, uh, Shan, the turnover is normally quite high. Normally a programmer or developer, unless it's a, a project they're very invested in, will probably stay three to four years at the most before moving on to something else. And most of the time, that's the only way you get a decent pay rise. <laughs> so, Souverine. Um, yeah, I, I, I totally... Um totally agree with you really um i think somebody i think one um five years on one title and actually for a lot of the devs it's probably more like seven at this point is actually quite a long time um and um uh and i think staying for four to five years in a job if you're ambitious is is about as long as you as, as long as you need to um page has already had two promotions out of frontier i think and as colin has just very accurately pointed out if you want a step change in pay um, and you've started off at the bottom. You really need to go to a different company because you're. If you start off, if you start off at the bottom in the company, they'll generally just give you an extra five percent every year, and five percent of fuck all is fuck all. Um, so um, I think probably anecdotally, um, she's. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if she was managed to manage to go get a senior CM job somewhere that was a lot better paid. Um, and um, and I don't think it's that strange for a, uh, an MMO to have devs that. Um, I've been playing for less long than players because um, uh, it's not a job for us. We do it because we enjoy it. We, you know, most people have hobbies that they do for years and years and years. Um, most people don't have jobs that they feel quite as fondly about. Um, so I don't think it's that surprising. It certainly doesn't feel it doesn't feel like an exodus. It doesn't feel like anything to be worried about. Um, you know, there's been two or three or four devs who have left in six months, and from a team of a hundred, that doesn't seem doesn't seem an un, an, un, an unusually high turnover, really. Mm. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll um, leave the development news for the moment, unless there's been some breaking news in the last half hour. Um, we'll just see. 
Uh, ben, yes, do you want to discuss this last final bit? Yeah, I was going to say, so Caramba has confirmed that Team 17 are in Wakefield and Nottingham. Um, in, I, I remember walking past them in Osset when I worked in Osset. Okay. And, yeah, I completely agree with what you guys are saying about if you want, and it's, it's a sad state of affairs, but if you want to pay rise, you need to change jobs. It's horrible that you do, but you do. Um, but you guys raised a question that I think maybe needs answered. That should Frontier hire community managers who are in the community before they become community managers, rather than hiring a community manager because they've been a community manager since they left school? Seems like a worthwhile pursuit if you want to go from zero to hero. If you're going to put the investment in to train someone from nothing, it depends on the it depends on the marginal cost of training somebody up as a CM. I think it, it's probably quite easy. I I find it quite easy to not be dismissive, but possibly slightly discount how difficult being a CM is because um, from the outside you don't see all the meetings that they have to sit through, all the data they have mm. to collate, all the reporting they have to do. From the outside, it appears that it's hosting a live stream twice twice a week and, and being nice to people on forums. And it's quite easy to say, like, oh, I could do that. Sounds easy. Um, but um, but actually, from little tiny snippets and insights that have been dropped over the last two or three years, I, I do think that they, I do think that that jobs probably quite a lot harder than that. And they also seem um, they seem extremely busy. Um, but one thing that I have really noticed is that every time Frontier have advertised a CM position, um, I've noticed that they always require prior experience. Um, they um, they don't seem to correct me if I'm wrong, anybody, but they don't seem to have ever said we're looking for some gutsy, passionate person to to come in and 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 translate their passion for the game into passion for Frontier. It always seems to be we're looking for an experienced CM to to do what you're already doing, but for a different game. Um, and um, and there are probably costs to hiring green CMs that we don't realise, but it definitely has had the effect that the community managers do not overwhelm us with their skill at the game when they do do live streams, um, and they don't blow us away with the in-depth knowledge they demonstrate of the game systems. So I I I think I don't want to be I don't want to be cruel, and and it does look like quite a hard job and and not necessarily the most rewarding job sometimes with with how they're treated. But I I do think that the the attitude of higher experience CMs from other from other studios does mean that there is possibly a lack of raw, unbridled passion for Elite Dangerous as a game in the CM team at the Do moment. you think, though, that that's an intentional uh, way? Because what tends to happen is you then bring the culture over from other companies rather than pushing on or pulling on the culture of the company you're working for. So when you've got people, I use Paige as an example, because I believe she started off as a uh, support. She did, yeah. yeah. She did. So she, Commander like, Normandy. Yeah, so she, if you like, carried the culture of Frontier all the way through, where if you bring, if you bring in someone from somewhere else, they will, carry, they will carry with them a way it was done at the previous place, which may or may not be the right thing, so I'm not passing touch on where people came from, but just it does, by osmosis, change the culture of a company. Yeah, but there's 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 culture and there's best practice. I think I don't think that Frontier I don't think that Frontier are trying to import culture. I think Frontier probably would accurately say that they have one of the best cultures of any game studio in the UK. 
they they win awards for what a good place they are to work at and it seems to be a desirable place to work they have low turnover as discussed so i don't think they're trying to import culture from anywhere from anywhere else i think what they might be doing is trying to import best practice because frontier are were until five years ago were a relatively indie studio um that made games for other for other for other people and um uh and some stuff that they didn't really have their name on at all um and it's only with the success of elite dangerous and then the subsequent titles that they've really been considered sort of approaching the triple a standard uh, and are now sort of the uk's largest studio um so i would have thought that what they're trying to do is import the kind of sort of professional rigor and standards that a larger publisher or studio have already while preserving their own culture and and i agree with you that it is probably a, de a deliberate decision otherwise they wouldn't advertise as such but it is a trade-off there is a trade-off there because what they're getting are not people who have been playing the game for five years and absolutely love it and really understand what it is under the hood okay ben can you jump in there since you've got to i've just had an absolutely brilliant idea yeah i i can think of a certain former community manager who really did have a hell of a lot of enthusiasm for Elite and is now working over at Bethesda where he's been learning the ropes, getting through the big company <laughs> stuff. Yes. Maybe maybe what now that he's been playing in Bethesda, he needs to be brought back into Frontier. Something like that would be really home. good. Yeah. I think I think that would be an awesome idea. <laughs> but also you gotta think about the culture of frontier itself they they seem to have moved away from as you said the indie studio to one of the big studios and that in itself brings a cultural change of being very protective over the information you give out and you know, we all well, we remember ed was a secret hand where he would like blurt something out or <laughs> that sort of thing whether he was allowed to blurt something out or not but look judging from the look of zach on some of the uh babe cons he said stuff he shouldn't have done too early so that kind of looseness of talking and releasing information that's now become a lot tighter and a lot more controlled yeah so you talk about passion so could it be that People really are passionate about the game. It's just it's behind closed doors because they are, I won't say gags, but they are prevented from doing everything they want. Yes, and, 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 and to that, I guess you could, you have to lay the feet, uh, the blame at the feet of perhaps the leaks that went on earlier on the year. No, I don't, I, don't, I don't agree because it's not just, oh. it's, it's, it's not just, it's not just, um, Enthusiasm and an understanding of a title doesn't just come from how much you accidentally leak on a live stream. It's it's how well do you know the game? Can you you know can you lift off? Can you can you take off in less than in less than two minutes? Can you you know do you understand? Have you have we ever have you ever fought a Thargoid? Thargoid? You know do you? I think I think everybody in this chat has expressed at some point in the last year um, slight incredulity at, at how little the cms appear to know their own game during live streams is it that that's what i'm referring to really ben quickly yeah but i mean i think we all need to accept the fact though it is a bloody hard job which is probably why they wind up asking for uh community managers with experience there is a lot to it i mean i know you know we've been stalking to steven today yes steven to steven yeah, we've, we've been stalking Stephen The Stephen. Yeah, we've been talking to the, the Stephen today. And oh, sorry, not today, it was yesterday, wasn't it? And the Stephen was like, 
guys, I know we're in a meeting, but I've got another meeting starting in about two seconds. I need to go right now. <laughs> it does look crazy busy. Um, it is. It's an incredibly hard job. They are incredibly busy. It's not just having a bit of a giggle on live streams. And Actually, they that's get probably the easiest part of the job, to be honest. Yeah, yeah that's probably true. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they get shat on from every direction. You know, the community see them as a bunch of tight-lipped bastards who never tell us anything because they can't tell us anything. And the guys who they work with see them as a bunch of what the hell do those fucking tree-hugging hippies want now? Because obviously they're I, representing I our rep- they're representing the community <laughs> up to the to the powers that be in Frontier. No, I don't. I think what the developers probably think is, thank God, I don't have to deal with. This. <laughs> yeah, probably, absolutely. Yes, because <laughs> yes, because you got to remember that these guys are the first line of defense exactly. when the poop yeah. starts being thrown, and you can see that I did, sometimes the shields that Frontier give these guys are very small. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do only have class one shields, unfortunately. Yes, we're not yeah. talking a plus yeah. one shield here, no. Yeah, Lawrence Oldham, on the other hand, has definitely got plus seven shields. And David Braben's got plus seven with engineering on them. <laughs> and Lavecon is like a beam laser. <laughs> no, Jin is like a beam laser. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the same thing, really, isn't it? <laughs> what does that make me a railgun, then? Does that? <laughs> well, we'll we're going to leave that for the moment. Um, so once again, Tata Page, sorry you're going. Um, but we'll just quickly touch on the in-game events that have been happening this week. Um, Operation Ida's target is Electra this week. So if you want to keep the bubble safe uh, from Thargoid attack, the best thing to do is um, repair help repair the stations and the Pleiades, because the Thargoids will keep on going after them and leave the bubble alone. Um, so, yeah, they are... Tar- Operation Ida are trying to replace um, uh, the station in Electra. Um, however, according to AXI and uh, Factabulous, um, they have reported that the Thargoids hit Taigeta, Evangelis, Lembas, and HIP-16813. Uh, sorry, Titan's daughter. I was there trying to defend you, but obviously, I, just me wasn't enough. The stations are on fire, and they work AX conflict zones. I do know that um, the Hive put out a call for people to help them in uh, to help them with Titan's daughter, and AXI is, has responded. Um, in addition, the Eagle Eye Network has reported that the following systems are being infested by Thargoids. So that's uh, Strope 2, HIP 18502, Pleiades Sector MIS B$1, HIP 17481, Witch Head Sector IRWC1. Dash nine and the same one, but C one dash eight. So it looks like the witch head is starting to get more attacks because it used to be just one a week. Now they're getting two. Um, there does seem to be a problem with the Eagle Eye network that doesn't seem to update as quick as it used to. So people are wondering whether or not that that's a plot device or whether whether or not it's just a bug. Like the Pigeon Eye Network. 
the Pigeon Nine Network. Yeah, I think um, Frontier did, did confirm that um, in a sort of tongue-in-cheek kind of in-universe post, they did confirm that it's not always correct, didn't they? Yeah, Stephen said that um, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we we kind of came um, we kind of came to the conclusion that um, basically the anti-Xeno initiative were too good at stopping infestations. Uh, so then no incursions happened and everybody was missing out on their uh, and their anti-Xeno um, conflict zones and burning station missions and all that kind of stuff. Hmm. So they reckon that um, every now and again, well, it seems to be a lot more than just every now and again now, um, these these attacks will get through regardless. Might just happen, and it sounds a bit GMy, though, doesn't it? It does, but then again, to tell you the truth, I'd rather have that kind of GMy stuff than nothing at all at the moment. Uh, I mean, is any of you other guys actually getting involved with Thargoid stuff, or are you just leaving that all alone? Well, um, I did quite a lot of. Um, I did quite a lot of uh, interceptor killing a little while ago. I, I got, I discovered that I could take out Cyclops on my own, and. Um, was totally thrilled um so did quite a lot of it and um and really really enjoyed it um i don't do uh i'd like to do more of it in wing actually i'd, I'd quite like to find yeah I, i've got a i've got a mate who i do it with sometimes um but he's been busy recently um but i'd um i'd really like to, to you know try try a basilisk a basilisk and uh and maybe a medusa and all that sort of thing yeah and one thing that we should point out is at the moment the thargoid heart bug that doesn't see it seems to be better but not completely fixed now what happens in this case is that now i thought the the thargoid, the thargoid heart was basically invulnerable to everybody but it turns out that if you're in a wing of four and all of a sudden the thargoid heart can only be hit by one player which it it's it's horrendous but it's got better but it hasn't been fixed yet so the frontier is still asking for people to send in logs uh, of any Thargoid wing combat so that they can uh, try and find out where this... It's obviously a networking issue, so that's, of course, the worst one to find. So, um, yeah, moving on from there, I think uh, what we'll do is... Well, there was a, a store alert. Um, did anybody see the, the the new things which are available on the on the store? Or is everybody uh, just not bothered with them now? <laughs> Do you know what? Since Arcs have come out, I haven't really bothered looking at the store. Is it because yeah. it's, it was the Arcs, or is the interface just clunky and makes it hard to see? It's more the UI. I mean, I know that you can get it on the website now, but yeah, um, I don't, I don't like the shopping game so much, and I've just, I just kind of lost interest in it. I've probably got a bunch of Arcs. I should go spend. So what's what's changed then on the store? What new items were then? Well, they've now got the Cobra Mark III in Speedway Red and Speedway Green. That, that seemed to go down very well. Uh, and uh, oh, I'm going to have to try and find my uh, appropriate appropriate message now. Um, but what we'll do is we will um, take a short break and we will come back to you uh, with a, a little bit of a discussion uh, about mining when we come uh, later on. Space can be lonely, but sometimes that's just what you want. Choose your holiday, the gas giants of Alioth. Partying the night away in your Philonic Quarter. 
even, go back and find your ancestors on Earth. The Rockforth Corporation makes your holiday special. And will let nothing disturb you. Hey, buddy, why the long face? Exploring is boring. What? What makes you say so? Because I have to scoop for fuel at every single store. And then the voices I hear in the store tell me to... Whoa, sounds like you've got a case of space madness. What you really need is really big gas tank. What? With really big gas tank, you'll be sailing the Milky Way in style and comfort. No more hanging out at every stupid store just to refuel. It's as easy as honk and go. Gotta get to Beagle Point for a romantic interlude? Just honk and go. Want to be the buckiest ball in the galaxy? Just honk and go. And if you fill your really big gas tank with patented Jumbonium 5000, you can honk and go, go, go. Gee, thanks, mister. No, thank you. Really big gas tank. Because why wait when you can honk and go? Jumbonium 5000 has been known to cause extra arm growth, outdoor mayonnaise, typism, and spontaneous targo face. He's only a drug. This is a public service announcement from the Fuel Rats. Please stop what you're doing and pay attention. If we can rescue you, we will. But you can help us help you by following these easy steps. 1. Fly 50 light seconds or so from the system's main star and drop out of supercruise. 2. Note down the current system and the nearest stellar body. 3. If you're on emergency life support, log out immediately. 4. Go to FuelRats.org and click Get Help. 5. Stay calm, hold your breath, and let our seasoned professionals do what they do best. The Fuel Rats. We have fuel, you don't. Any questions? And welcome back. Now, one of the things we're going to uh, touch on today is... uh, well, it goes back to some of the changes that uh, we've noticed with mining. Uh, and uh, it just kind of uh, occurred to us uh, that, well, because mining pays out so much, it has kind of de- devalued the uh, the elite trade rank by quite a lot. So first of all, there's a couple of things that I'd like to discuss. Um, first of all, do you think that um, mining really should be split off into its, its own kind of elite rank system? And if so, are there any other parts of the game which you feel deserves its own kind of rank, uh, a ranking system? Uh, so just quickly, the idea being is that uh, you can get to trade rank within what's What's the record at the moment? Sort of two days, Ben. Not sure. The record's ridiculously short, but I actually. I think the make mo- trade great again by just making it bigger numbers. <laughs> 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 just make it. We can earn more money now. 
surely an elite trader needs more than dollar. Okay. Interesting. Ben? <laughs> uh, I'm going to make sure you're okay this time. Go on. We need to say, the more I think about it, yes, I actually think it should. And I think that, um, oh, passengers should be pulled out into their own section too. Um, yeah, that would be a good idea. Wouldn't yeah, that make we, UI really... I mean, that, it's a UI, it's a redesign, big deal. We can live with that. Well, also, also, I'm not sure I'd want to be called an elite bus driver. <laughs> How about the elite trade rank requiring you to bust a certain number of each of the different constituent parts? Well, yeah, you can. Oh, I do like that. Oh, you have you to mean do a bit of mining, you have to do a bit of passenger missions, you have to sell some cargo. You have to. Be, so, so, for example, you couldn't reach combat elite just by killing a Thargoid. You had to do something in conflict zones. Or, sure, exactly. You'd have to do some conflict zones. You'd have to do some resource extraction sites. You'd have to do some Thargoids. Yeah. Ben, do you want to just come back in there? So, I mean, you don't want to... It's not just a number, and it sh maybe it shouldn't just be a number, but it mm -hmm. should be... Okay, well, if you want to be elite and explorer... Should you really be able to get elite exploration rank just by doing the road to riches? Or should you have, okay, these are certain things you need to go off and see. You need to go to Sage, you need to go and see some uh, different nebula, you need to go and see some of these things, you need to see different planets, you need to see all these different things before you can even think about calling yourself an elite explorer. Yeah, so I think, jump around and stuff yeah, that's, that's and hand in 10 million credits worth or whatever Low hanging fruit for elite explorer requirements. Surely you have to go and find a system. You have to find Ratzler. No, no, <laughs> I mean like just be the first person to find and tag a system. That's yeah. You don't yeah, have to do really it at the moment. Yeah. So um, what, you, what you're all saying is you, you would prefer the, the, the ranking system to have some form of achievement attached to it. God well, help us, but yes, I, I want asking for achievements. Jesus, no! It, it's all monetary. The, the, the structure of it is based on money. Um, it's based on... Uh, well, actually, no, combat's not, I guess. I guess that's based on the rank of the people you kill. But the exploration one is based on, is based on money because it's based on the, mm. on, the, on, the, on the, you know, the data sold. The data you have. I think, that, I think that the idea of having a mining-specific one based on mining um, sort of... KPIs and then an exploration one based on proper exploration things, not just how much exploration data have you sold, is a really good idea and encourage it would encourage people to engage with the game systems. And um, like you know, a lot of the the stuff in a lot of the the places that you can visit and see in the game are, are amazing, and and loads of players don't. There's no incentive to go to go and see those places um, through through the um, through the the ranking system as it exists currently. So I think it would be good. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I, can someone please explain to me? I'm not sure. I'm not clear about this. Passenger missions? Do they go into trade or exploration? They're trade. They're trade. Oh, well, no. If if you do a taking someone to go and look at stellar phenomena, mm -hmm. you get exploration. If you're oh, taking right. someone in bulk passenger, you get trade, and you can tell on the mission board because it varies the symbol next to it. So you get both types. Ah, well, that 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 does make sense now. I mean, are you saying basically the idea is um, you'd have sort of like three bars underneath you? 
your rank, one thing. Um, you've got to complete this level of for mining, this bar for for passengers, and this bar for actually commodities before you go up to the next rank. If you do it per rank, or if you do it over the whole course of the getting to elite, like if you took trade as an example, mm-hmm. maybe I think it's around a billion credits, isn't it, to get elite trader? Uh, uh, roughly, yes. You would expect that to be three hundred and thirty million odd profit using the current system from each of those types of trade, just as a you know a basic example. Now, whether you'd stagger that over each rank up, so you have to do it piecemeal, or whether you'd let someone just do a block of all their mining and then all of their, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, are we all of the agreement that the elite trade rank is now practically useless thanks to Void for the, the mining changes? Yeah, and I think the exploration one has always been a bit useless. I think the exploration one has never been a particularly nobody's ever really given any credence to um, to somebody's explorer rank. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's not. It's never been an indicator of how much they've seen or or what boundaries they've pushed. It's just. It's it just used to be like that. Uh, yeah, maybe. It, you know, when you used to have to only plot a hundred light years at a time, or even a thousand light years at a time, and before engineers, it was quite a trek to get it because. You can just use the neutron highway to get to places, and the uh, rags to riches routes and stuff like that. So, but it's the same with all games, though, isn't it? All no, games, yeah. the, the, all, in all games, the, the achievements get easier to get than what they are at the start because people know the tricks. They read the wiki, they watch the YouTube, and it becomes easier and simpler. And also, the game developers also make it easier and simpler in some in some ways. Um, so I think what what we're saying is, may does there need to be, if you like, an arc, an archangel, rank, where elite you plus. Have, well, <laughs> archangel was supposedly the um, rank above elite, wasn't it? In, um, in in elite two. So if you had to do all these activities, and you see like you, well, there right. was hitting Google now. <laughs> I don't think it's ever in game, but it's one of those. Um, Myths, I think like the background like, suggested it was something that was unachievable, didn't it? That you couldn't be one. Yeah, so maybe to get... And that is actually one of my questions that came up on the um, on the interview I did for Luke Scrooge uh, the other week was, what question would you ask David Braben? And mine was, okay, what comes after Elite? What happens when everyone's got billions of credits and all the Elite ranks? What's next? You just expect people to stop playing or... Is there going to be a rank beyond that? And I think if there was to be a rank beyond elite, then the these, these combined disciplines within an overall discipline would be a logical way of doing it. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean that's always the problem with. Um, oh, you're you're right. Some versions uh, feature the new title Archangel for the, the player that to earn the. Which substitute the rank of commander. Oh, so you weren't oh, commander. You weren't commander, Shan. You'd be Archangel, Shan. It's a bit weird. Um, Archangel is reached by undertaking a special mission to destroy a space station in a system that's been invaded by Thargoids. It's funny that, because I completed that mission. I don't remember becoming an Archangel. Mind you, that was on the ZX Spectrum. It's probably version-specific. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just um, that. I mean, that is an interesting 
idea, Shan, because basically, once you're triple elite, what do you do then? Oh, and I mean, you could be a real masochist and go for quadruple elite. I think if there was, I think if there was uh, an elite ranking per um, per major discipline in the game, it would be. Uh, I think it would be a good change. It would um, suddenly it would mean that lots of people who think they've completed the game no longer have. Um, <laughs> there's, there's value to that. But um, like, how would you take, say they make elite mining as a thing you could get? And I'm already an elite trader, and some of that elite trader is from mining. How do you split my existing mining experience from my trade rank? Uh, you could do it by um, mineral. So, for example, um, deep core mining, there are certain minerals you can only get from deep That's core mining. What I mean is, let's say a third of my elite trade rank is done from mining. Do I drop elite trader now, and a third of that goes towards being an elite miner? Yeah, I think I think so. I think that's the best way to do it. Well, that's interesting. I mean, isn't there something in the command statistics that tells you how much you've you know mined, how much you've um, gone exploring properly, you know that kind of thing? Uh, and yeah. Then base it off that. Yep. Yeah, that wouldn't be too difficult to do. I don't think. The, I don't the, think there is data for everything that players have done. Every single thing that you've shot or sold or bought or jumped to or interacted with or landed at, there there is a record for it somewhere. Sure, that's not my problem. My problem is, do you think taking, say, a commander that might have been an elite trader for five mm-hmm. years of the game's life and now suddenly he isn't an elite trader, I imagine there will be some people that would not be happy Oh, no matter what we propose or whatever, whatever we say, someone's not going to be happy. Yeah, I definitely think that comes. And that. Uh, to tell you the truth, uh, um, as I as as I discovered on the forums constantly over the last couple of weeks, is no matter how many good ideas you come up with or anything like that, there is always someone who's going to be unhappy with it. Not pointing at Shan. Hey, I'm happy about <laughs> lots of things. Why are you picking on me? I'm happy. <laughs> You're the only person on this podcast that has a negativity meet. <laughs> uh, you did as well. I'm sorry. When when you were salty about um, Thargoids and things like that, you were way worse than I was. But I don't think that's possible. We need a salt off. <laughs> we need a salt off. <laughs> oh. uh, no, we'll, we'll leave that alone, I think, shall we? Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the... Um, the stats for your commander. I mean, there's, they've got so many different categories here. They've even got a for smuggling. You could start having a specific smuggler rank or a different piracy rank and that kind of thing. Well, they did talk about um, pretty cool. piracy and player killing having a separate rank or something to try and encourage people to blow each other up. But that's the sort of thing, if you were to go for a rank beyond the league, mm-hmm. then that is how I think it should be made, not just more money or more kills or more yeah. exploration. Uh, yeah, that would make more sense to do that. And, and other games do it as well. Um, mm. but, and People are really thirsty to listen to us, but um, in, in games beginning with G, um, there's, a, there's a title and achievement <laughs> system where if you got um, if you got five titles, five achievements, if you like, but you then got a, a master achievement, which I think was God Walking, no, sorry, which was, um, they, they went from the Anchorman 
Anyway, so if, if you got five, you got one title. If you got ten, you got another. Then if you maxed out at 30 and above, you got something like God Walking Amongst Mere Mortals, and that was your title. You could just surround your character, and that demonstrated you'd done well in all these disciplines. So you'd mapped everything, you'd done every mission and whatever, whatever. So it was a way of displaying progress. And something like that would, I think, encourage people to not just chase different ranks, but I think it would also open the game up to different playstyles. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I must admit, I, I mean, I, w- I was hesitant about suggesting this as a topic, but the more we discuss it, the more I want to see these disciplines kind of split. Um, yeah, it's a good idea. I, also, they're just too broad. Like, ex, like taking somebody to see um, to see a given thing is not the same as being an explorer, and um, and mining is not the same as as trade. Like having um, the categories are a bit too broad now. I think, and um, and likewise, uh, like um, sort of bounty hunting is a very very different discipline to AX. <laughs> How about uh, uh, rank? <laughs> Sorry. How are players in elite rank? Postman pat rank? <laughs> oh no, that is unfair. You only have right. the you only have the postman pat thing if you're playing for Mahan. Because <laughs> no matter what you do, you're delivering for him, and that's the mistake that a lot of us Alliance players started to do with power play. We all went right. We'll, we'll be patriotic and support our prime minister, and found out he's probably the most boring power play player to ever get involved with. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you go to the other factions, they're far more interesting. But um, yeah, <clears throat> Let, um, I think we'll leave power play alone before I start going off on a major rant. So, well, um, I guess surprisingly, we're all in agreement then. <laughs> And surprise! I have to. Admit, I was expecting us all to go off and say, "No, leave it as it is. Go away." And That's I'm surprised we're actually in agreement that maybe it should change. Yeah, I mean, I honestly don't think it will change, and I think it should have been implemented in a different way than it is now. Whereas, if you do go and change it, people are just going to get too salty, and it's just not worth it. The thing with the elite ranks really is, other than access to Shemath Desra. You're really they're just aspirational, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They don't they don't stop you getting content. Exactly. <clears throat> exactly. Unless unless of course the you need triple elite in order to hone a fleet carrier. <clears throat> Thank you, Orange <laughs> Phoenix. Um, <laughs> or I mean as Chan says, you know, we could go off and do they introduce Archangel rank, doesn't have anything other than cosmetic value perhaps. Uh, like what Shan was saying, you know, a god walks amongst you kind of idea. You, get, get... you get access to Raxler. To get that. That's how you get the rank, Shan. You need to do certain specific things, and it's not just a a credit grind, essentially. <laughs> yeah, what, what would be the probably elite rank for pamphlet shifting? What would that be? <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's a pat. Yeah. It's the postman pat rank. <laughs> yeah, the pat rank. You get a little pet to put on your uh, dash. Yeah, you get a, a Jess bobblehead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With free red paint in your hauler. <laughs> All of a sudden, I've never yes. the thought of the postman pat van and Jess's <laughs> bobbleheads on, my mach- on, on the front of my ship. <laughs> uh, are, are you, did you say Jess's head on the 
<laughs> bobbleheads. Bobbleheads. Bobblehead. Oh, bobblehead. I mean, put the head on. Uh, yes, yeah, so we're not decapitating like the, Jess. Uh, <laughs> like in Serenity, you know, with the Raiders, they have the yeah, yeah. Little so, so basically, basically, you want me to do uh, an, an itchy scratchy on Jess the cat and have a <laughs> severed head on as a bobblehead in front of my Shan. You're sick. You just are. Yeah, but you're you're sniggering about it and imagining how cool it would be. So, who's the sick one? Ah, uh, dear. Well, okay. We're good. I think because because we all came to the agreement, <laughs> we've got Commander Venture going. No, not Jess. Kermit, uh, pardon? Kermit or Robin? Then Tuplex is saying that if we implement Archangel, he's going to rage quit. What? what? Rather, if Frontier implements Archangel, he's going to re- rage quit. That's interesting. Um, Tuplex, why? If you want to put it in the chat, well, we might touch on that later. Because I'm just, I'm just curious to why that would be a an issue where you're Archangel Tuplex instead of Commander Tuplex. Or does that sound more like a, a rap band? He says, showing his age. <laughs> <laughs> Again. That raps music. That that's young person music. I found my, <laughs> I found myself going, "Oh, it's a young person thing," and then suddenly just realised that I meant it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm almost fifty now, you know. Wow, I did not know that. That's amazing. So, yeah, what is... what what other parties you go to then, Colin? Being nearly fifty, or don't you get involved in parties more? I mean, do you like go to a party <laughs> and it's like full of teenagers now, or something like that? It's effectively yeah. It's worse. It's worse than it's worse. It's it's the the grumpy teenagers who all decide to go off in a corner. They leave us alone, and they're just instead of talking to one another, they're texting one another. Yeah. Or it could be you go to a party, and it turns out it's actually a funeral. Oh yeah, my dad's reached that point. I think, most, I think really most of them. And today's cheery thought is: the older you get, the more times you celebrate people dying. The celebration of life, Shan. God, who invited Frankie Boyle onto this stream? <laughs> He's there sort of there going, and just remember that we're all semi-evolved apes hanging onto a dying rock as it falls endlessly through the black. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> right. In the meantime, since that, that um, has surprisingly reached a consensus um where are we getting this epic music from were we getting epic music there or was i just having a, a moment of revelation in my head can somebody phone epic music. no i think somebody needs to go off and phone the the men with the white van <laughs> colin's broken <laughs> seriously you lot didn't Colin, you came to back in your hearing aid oh dear yeah, right seriously, Colin, it was something at your end not ours it's it, might, it might have been my room. game music, so we'll, we'll just leave it there. Um, right, the community, the community corner. Um, for those of you who are uh, familiar with this, um, Commander Holiday's family were invited to discuss the positive impact of video games, particularly the dangerous that uh, uh, had on his life, as part of a documentary called "Not Just Not a Game" by is that Villa Lura? No. 
Um, apparently, the, uh, for those of you who remember this, this is uh, uh, the uh, the kid that uh, was suffering of a, a, de a de degenerative disorder who unfortunately passed away uh, last year and uh, his uncle came to LeaveCon to, to thank the community. Uh, and um, yes, there is a... Uh, the trailer is available uh, on Vimo, and we'll put the link in in the show notes. And for anyone listening, that's Commander Hollyland, not Commander Holiday. I thought I said Hollyland. <laughs> no. Oh, for God's sake! I do apologise. <laughs> that's actually quite bad. <laughs> that's why I was like, I was going to let it slide, and they're like, "No, sorry." No, no, yeah. so you were right to correct me. Command that. Commander Michael Hollyland. Holy yeah. Uh, so, mass, um, yeah. yeah, mass. <laughs> Sorry about that. Right. <clears throat> I just shrink up and die. Is that for the Christmas tree, Commander Holy Land? Moving on. Yes. Uh, Commander Stabler, uh, as in uh, John Stabler, as in um, semi retired leave radio presenter, um, he's also working on a short uh, documentary film that is a will be. Um, about Elite Dangerous's journey and the community that surrounds it. Um, at LeafCon this year, he would like to interview representatives from any player group or sub-communities that will be attending. Uh, he's also ha uh, happy to talk to any individual who feels he's got something interesting to contribute to the story of Elite Dangerous and its community. Um, boy, this, this one flared up on the forums. <laughs> it's, worth, it's worth pointing out that uh, John's documentary is nothing to do with Lave Radio. Um, yeah, there's, there's it. It is not specific to LaveCon. He's just using LaveCon as a as a as a venue to conduct his interviews. Um, and the resulting documentary will be a completely neutral, um, sort of look at Elite Dangerous and its community as a whole, with no kind of agenda whatsoever. Yeah, um, I mean, the, the one thing that he did say was that. Um, the, the elite dangerous community is a more is one of the more positive ones, and that's why he, f he finds that it would be interesting to find a positive news story about gaming, which is um, similar to not a game in some ways, especially when you've seen the trailer. I mean, do we have uh, an update for Operation Hot Mess? Which is the Hutton no, Hospital Trucker's um, attempt to drop off one ton of mugs at every single station and outpost in the bubble. Okay, dokie, in that case, then I'll take it. So, right, Operation Hot Mess is a go, as we've mentioned, as the truckers are mentioning. It's doing awesomely. They're approaching 40% of all stations in the galaxy have already been mugged. That's insane. <coughs> So the truckers have already visited 20,518 out of 55,260 stations and outposts and landing, landing pads and things like that. That is insane. Which is amazing. That's breathtaking. How the hell are they doing it? Is this just one mug? Because I, you, you yeah. can see someone dropping in and just giving one mug to a station, then there'd be riots and they are rare. looting because someone's got this one mug. Yes, right, they, they are they... literally dropping in one mug. If they sold more than one, they wouldn't get as much money. Oh, it depends how much they got in the, in the, in the <laughs> whole wheel, isn't it? 
<clears throat> but yeah, they are they are just you know you drop in, you drop off one mug, you move on to the next system, rinse and repeat. Um, and yeah, I mean the the they're cracking it. Um, there have been so bloody hell. So Commander Nem any MB has delivered forty mugs today alone. Wow. Uh, so let's the overall bloody hell. So a commander Doc Jack has de- delivered over a thousand mugs. Uh, you know what the, you know what that is? I mean I'm I I am all for um applauding him for a thousand mugs, but how many trips is that to pick them up at Hutton Orbital? How yeah, many? I was thinking yeah. that as well. Because you can't pick them up in that <clears throat> in, in very large denominations, can you? He might have been loaded up and had maybe seven hundred or something like that. So he might have left Hutton with seven hundred mugs. But yeah, that's yeah, wow, <laughs> that's just ridiculous. Um, not far behind him is Commander Montgomery Python with nine hundred eighteen mm-hmm. mugs, and then there's a fair jump down. There's a few people in the four to five hundred mark, and then dropping off. Down below that, so you know, certain Mr. Intarius Fusion at 349, Commander Bam, um, he's got 343. Um, let's see if I can see how many I've done. I've not, I know I've not done that many. Um, I've delivered 28. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's 28 more than I have, and to be honest, I really need to do that because you know, otherwise, I might lose my honor. Docker place. Mm. Well, sorry, on my on a trucker place. I've lost my Docker place. So. <laughs> you lost or you 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 ran away. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> uh, oh, Commander Psychocaz actually used to live in more than me. He used to live in twenty nine mugs. Oh, are you going to have to beat the cow then? Aren't you? I, oh, I might have to be the beat the cow. Um, but I'm I'm going to have to be getting rid of all my mugs as well. So I don't know. How have you um how have you divvied up the stations to be delivered? First come, first served, come and get it. There, wow, there's okay. a there's a massive how spreadsheet. Do they track it? <coughs> it and, must be a very large spreadsheet. So coming up I'm glad you asked that question. <laughs> so if you want to track it, you go up and use the Hutton Helper. Um and you can download that from hotstotsforthemugs.com. Hutton Helper is an absolutely awesome tool that is for uh elites. Dangerous EDMC. Um, I can't remember. Elite Dangerous what is Market it? Collector. Market Collector. That's it. Uh, so there's an awesome plugin for that, and it's basically it's combining the information you send from the Hutton Helper goes up to their database, gets munged in with data that came out of EDSM and places, and. Yeah, and it's, and basically, Antares Fusion is doing a whole load of magic to figure out what's not done and what is done and what's needing done. Uh, the guys have done an absolutely stellar job, pun intended, on getting that website all up and done. Um, and of course, this is all pushing new and updated information over to EDDB and EDSM and all that good stuff. Yeah. So, you know, you go off and you visit a station that was maybe visited five years ago, all the stuff in it's changed, including yeah. the kind of station actually is. That's true, actually, yeah, because um, I think there are some stations that just haven't been visited for years. 
Oh, there are literally some stations that haven't been delivered for years, and the stations which you know, maybe they used to have a commodity market, now they don't, and there's other places which didn't have a commodity market, but now they do. Hmm, interesting. Um, so it's all information that's basically being hoovered up by the truckers and shared back to the community. Yeah. Which is awesome. I think it's awesome anyway. Hmm, I, I agree. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I've got to get at least one mug in in order just to to make sure that I I'm still considered an honorary trucker. So, um, oh, moving on from here. Remember last week we were discussing um, the Level Up Kickstarter by our friends at Spider-Man Games. Yeah. Right. What did it get to? <laughs> oh, that it's still going, but its present total at the moment is and brace yourselves. Three hundred and sixty-eight thousand eight hundred and eighty. <laughs> That's insane. Was seven hundred and seven thousand six hundred and thirty backers, and there's still twenty-two days to go. Oh my! So, uh, have we spoken to Spider Mind and asked them how panicked they are about having to try and deliver these in good time? Um, I've had the emails off John. He sounds a little bit shell shocked. That's incredible. Uh, they were the number one Kickstarter for a while. I mean, uh, they deserve every penny of what they've raised, particularly what they've gone through in the last year or so with the yeah. trading game. So they completely deserve it, you know, the, the high totals. But uh, it is, yeah, £300,000. Wow. Oh, oh, there is something I, do, I should say at the moment. Uh, we have been receiving emails asking us to... Um, use our influence with uh, Spider-Man to find out when ED battle cards will finally be released. Um, unfortunately, it's ready to go. I think they're still waiting on, on stuff with Frontier. So uh, at the moment, things are on hold. And as soon as we know about it, we'll we'll have them on and we'll be able to release the game, the game to everybody. So... I, I do know we've had a couple of emails uh, with people sort of desperate for news about battle cards, but I'm afraid that's that's all we know as well. So, um, shall we do it then? Shall shall we discuss what's happening later in the week? Yeah, go on. Then. Yeah, Colin, I did raise another point that needs to get mentioned before we jump on. Oh, okay then, Ben. What's so your point? there are also a whole lot of stretch goals. One that Grant was on about the other week. Um, and remember how Grant was mentioning how it would be a really good idea if you could maybe have an N by N grid? Yes. Well, guess what? They, they've gone off, and once they got over 300,000, which they've managed to do quite nicely, we've now got a centerpiece. So you can now have a three by three table, or I would assume essentially an N by N table. Yep. Hopefully, you want, basically. hopefully that'll now make the level up board just the right size for an elite miniatures game. If uh and but they've also gone off and done a couple of other good little things. So if you want like the normal two by three, then you can do that, but you can also go off and buy a three by three board or a three by four board even mm-hmm. as a as its own thing. And I'll assume they'll go off and sell Right, well, if you want to go off and buy some corner pieces or some edge pieces, you can. Why, why would you want six corners? 
can't think. If you want some edge pieces or some middle pieces, you can go and get them too. Um, I'd assume they'll be doing that at some later point. Well, m- maybe you 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 need some kind of L shaped. Um, actually, that ain't going to work either, is it? Could you do an L shaped? I mean, you could have it so you could have the four, and then instead of an edge, you could have it building out, so you can make like a lollipop shape or something. Hmm. So we actually, you actually need a, you need one that's also got three smooth edges and one joiny edge, don't you? Mm. And then you can make a lollipop. Yeah, you know what's really weird is the the, the tagline for this project is "Why hasn't someone thought about this before?" And I must admit, I'm there going, "Why hasn't someone thought about this before?" It's a crazy simple idea, isn't it? Yeah, um, crazy simple. I'm I'm glad it's working out for them, and oh, yeah, totally. and I can't believe that they've got over the over the three hundred thousand. The next stretch goal target is half a million. Yep, and at half a million. Everybody gets some free clips. Clips. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. we, we laugh at it. I mean, it sounds funny, but there is actually method to the madness there because, you know, have you ever gone off and say you've got a paper map or whatever and it's all getting dog-eared and moved around the board? And that really yeah. sucks. So at 500,000, you go and get some clips for your board. So, there is method to the madness, even though we're laughing. Oh, there we go. Um, someone, Commander Miggles, has suggested set up a U-shaped table. That will need six. Yeah, that would be awesome too. Yeah, so there we have it. We, we were trying to work out our um, uh, how you would use six corners. Could you have oh, a hollow square as well? Like, you know, a square with a hole in the middle. Ah, <sighs> Sorry, I'm having fun here. <laughs> well, you've just been playing Tetris too much. And that joke fell flat. Anyway, <laughs> but Tetris had solid blocks, not square, not blocks with a hole in. <sighs> I was just thinking of you know. Like radio is a again. cruel audience for uh, for jokes. Yeah, like. it's just you could hear the tumbleweed in a vacuum. Mm, that's yeah. that's the worst of it. Anyway, moving swiftly on from that embarrassment, um, obviously this Thursday something special is going to happen. This Thursday, uh, myself, uh, Ben, uh, Commander Kurgle, and uh, Commander Shan, with um, additional people, will be taking part in a live stream with Frontier, with the legendary Stephen. Stephen! Stephen. Yep. yep. Every, I was waiting for as many Stevens as possible uh, at 7 o'clock uh, on the Frontier live stream. Now, we do have something planned, and we'll be discussing um, how Live Radio came about and its history and what it what maybe some plans are in the future. So um, if you are interested uh, at seeing what we've come up with and how we've, we've Shan has come up with ways to torture the rest of us for this entire event, then uh, please tune in to the Frontier live stream this Thursday at 7 o'clock. Is is there anything that anybody would like to discuss, say about this, or are we keeping stum? I might depart from in orbit over Stevenage in Seoul. <laughs> <laughs> I heard an interesting fact about Lewis Hamilton the other day. You know, he was brought up in Stevenage. Was he? Yes, yes, he yes. was. Apparently, he was expelled from school, a Stevenage school, for for joyriding. 
Well, it was something like that because the, <sighs> uh, the person you told me had been caught by the teacher that expelled Lewis Hamilton, supposedly. And apparently um, he got expelled from school because he never turned up to lessons and was all about racing. To which, oh, right. To which I, I thought was, well, good on him, you know. That's why he's so good at racing, I guess. Yeah, so if you want to get good at racing, go joyriding around Stevenage. Yeah, that's 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 a a training ground for that well-known training ground for uh, Silverstone. Yes. Um, now I must admit, um, we I have I have had a very difficult job this week, uh, deflating the eagles of Shan and Ben and Silverine because all three of them have been recently interviewed by the guys over at the Loose Screws podcast. Um, guys, stop inflating their egos. They're more difficult. They're too difficult to control as it is. And I really resent being called the substitute teacher that's lost control of the class. Shush you, you don't you know who I am? <laughs> but you are Colin. Colin, you right. should just call my agent next time, all right? <laughs> I, I'm going to use this mute button. I, I swear I'll use this mute button. <laughs> it's the equivalent of the blackboard rubber, I'm telling you. So, yeah, Shan's interview. Sorry, you were saying. <laughs> Shan's interview is out of the moment. And please listen to it because it embarrasses Shan completely. And an embarrassed Shan is always a good Shan. It, it is, actually. It's, it, it's not the well, don't think I said anything particularly controversial or wrong. It's just they are so they're such huge fans of Blade Radio. It's kind of very English. You know, it's an English thing, isn't it? When someone heaps praise on you, oh, no, 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 it's fine. It was just this or, you know, you just kind of back away from praise because it's like the proper thing to do. Oh, no, mate, you bask. Basking is the correct response. Well, I think you're now looking at the two different uh, psyches uh, Two parts of the English psyche. You have the um, the obviously the working class. Oh, you don't please, sir. I'm not good enough, sir. And then the upper class, which is oh yes, I deserve every single part of this. <laughs> Are you saying Sue is posh? <laughs> well, I was thinking also actually, he's Sue is probably the wealthiest of us because he's got no children to suck money away. Yeah, I have lions as well. It's wonderful. <laughs> oh, peacock. <laughs> Oh dear! Just because you lot have got a lion for your national uh, national animal, at least we've got one that doesn't exist. Anyway, (laughs) sorry, what? Go on. What? Oh, it's all right. I just forgot something I did last week, but you don't want to hear about it. (laughs) Yes, and uh, as you can tell, the content drought does continue. (laughs) So, um, just to mention our um, sister. Orbital Radio that broadcasts on a Thursday at half past eight G, uh, GMT. You can tune in at tv.forthemug.com or if you just want the audio at radio.forthemug.com. For the discerning commander who likes a bit of CQC action, check out the Discord at discord.me slash elite dangerous CQC. Um, we would like to all point out that. Um, we have Commander Witherspoon coming up with another fantastic Galnet news at the end of this show, and you have to take his your hat off to him because how he's managing in this content drought, I have no idea. 
Well, the, the answer is uh, the answer is to become the content ourselves, as we're as we're demonstrating. The answer in of content in a content drought is for us to become the content, to be interviewed. I know that's it's yeah, it's, it's mm. a bit worrying, isn't it? It is, it's it's like it's very aerobarous. What the snake that eats itself? Oh, nice, nice. It's only because I was watching that Red Dwarf episode a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> You're going to palm that off as a classics reference, but no. <laughs> yeah, it'll be our Robo Ross. <laughs> it's our Robo Ross. Aye. Anyway, uh, Ben, you said you got something else. Yeah, is that about another... Dockers? It's not about Dockers, no. Um, actually, two, two. Yeah, I suppose two, two little shout outs. First of all, to my little sister, it's her birthday today, so happy birthday, Maggie. Um, just because I can. Hang on, Ben. Um, hang on. Hang on, hang on. She wait, probably wait, she's going to listen. Yeah, yeah. Instead, of, instead of being with your sister, celebrating her birthday. I'm not from Texas, for fuck's sake. <laughs> How old is she, Ben? Um... <laughs> closer to, to Suverine's age than to mine. Oh, that's all right, then. It's not like you lot... Um, in Dockers, where you had my kids banging on the door, wondering if I was all right. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, but the actual, the more serious thing that I do want to actually mention is Commander Wotherspoon is doing another awesome bit of content where he's delving into interesting law pieces uh, instead of doing Garnet News all the time, and oh, he's doing good. a fabulous. It's uh, I heard That's his inaugural one about the blue-haired princess on last week's Osmobital, and it was awesome. Um, so I, you know, I, he's doing a great job with that, and yeah, it just sounds amazing, and it's it's really well researched, and it's it's his usual level of wit and awesomeness and panache. You're not worthy, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's it's um, as someone who has. Who has finds it difficult to find the time to do anything more than just lay radio at the moment? That's why there's not been any top shifts for quite a while. Um, I, I tell you, you know, just full of admiration the the amount of work that he does for um, Live Radio, Hunt Orbital. He does work for the Guard Frequency. He also does work for yourself, Suvernit. What is it? Parallel Worlds. Yeah, and Sagai. Yeah, and Sagai. And uh, I'm also. Oh, by the way, Suv, I must take my hat off to you. I've been working my way through your podcast for uh, Parallel Worlds thoroughly. I, there's not been a duff article in any of them. Oh, good. Cool. That's yeah. good feedback. Thank you. So, yeah. Um, ben, you might as well take this, this one. Um, what's this about do oh, Dockers are invading YouTube? <laughs> yes. So. As if the filth, the filth is spreading. The filth is spreading. Um Dockers has a YouTube channel which nobody knew about, uh, and I think episode one has got like about five views because nobody actually knows that Dockers has a YouTube channel. But Dockers does indeed have a YouTube channel, so if you want to watch Dockers on YouTube, you can watch Dockers on the YouTube channel rather than listen to the podcast. Even though the YouTube channel is basically the same as the podcast, just with here's a picture and ground going <laughs> rawr on it or something like that. Rawr. Uh, okay. Yes, that that's. <laughs> if you if you do actually want more 
Grant, then normally on a Friday evening at 7pm, um, the, he does a pub quiz over over Twitch, which I must admit is, is, a, right crack. is, is a good way to have a laugh and end the week. It's, it's kind of like a pub quiz, except you, you've got to have your own beer at, in front of a TV screen while yelling at I'd be a even sicker bastard than normal. Yeah, normally. So, um, just before I put out the final call, has anybody got any final business? Nope. 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 Well, okay then. Uh, that's it for another episode of Live Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email info at laveradio.com, hit us up at facebook.com slash laveradio, tweet us at at laveradio. Uh, you can join our Discord server by going to discord.io slash laveradio. We also have a TeamSpeak server, which is shared with the Hutton Truckers, where commanders come to hang out and chat, which you can find at teamspeak.laveradio.com. Do get in touch with the show if you have any questions or if there is anything you'd like us to discuss in a future episode. Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at half past eight. GT, GMT and is streamed out at laveradio.com slash live. So thanks to Kurgle, thanks to um, Commander Souverain, thanks to Shan, thanks to Ben uh, and and oh, a th- special thanks to our tech specialist uh, Commander Ventura. Thank you Norman. Uh, so uh, next time Commanders, uh, we will be about, obviously on Thursday really looking forward to it but until then Commanders, fly safe and if you can't do that Fly dangerous. Is your life like this? Is that like someone having an orange inserted? Need a safe word. According to uh, scientists, Uranus is full of methane gas. Galnet News Digest, 4th of February, 3306. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news... Low temperature loophole lost. 
dramatic technological developments announced on Twitter. The Thargoids have already won. Low temperature loophole lost. The recent changes to pricing of minerals such as void opals and painite were intended to protect the livelihood of hard-pressed market traders in starports throughout the bubble. No longer constrained by a regulated pricing structure, buyers are no longer forced to buy minerals at inflated prices when demand has already been satisfied and are allowed to offer a lower per unit price to commanders who have way too many tons of cargo to get rid of. There was a loophole. Low temperature diamonds were not being correctly counted by the census machines and some commanders were still able to make a killing, forcing many starport traders into bankruptcy. A firmware update to the census machines deployed on Friday now makes them able to correctly count the ice diamonds, allowing the correct offer price to be calculated automatically. Many commanders are upset by the changes and are demanding that their union should protest about the low level of return that dirty and dangerous void opal mining offers. Every commander who undertakes mining deserves to be a multi-billionaire, richer than that old and irrelevant ex-pirate Calico Zack Rackham. However, commanders have benefited in one important way. Stations will now allow their spot prices for high-grade minerals to be broadcast through the Universal Cartographics Network and displayed on the Galaxy Map, regardless of whether the viewing commander has any of that mineral on board at the time. The key to making a profit in mining appears to be to use smaller, more versatile ships, such as the Python, and making sure that you don't tell anyone else about the best places to sell. Dramatic technological developments announced on Twitter. A fully featured replacement to Galnet has come online. Hosted by the Pilots Federation, the so-called Twitter feed contains vital news and commentary in bite-sized chunks, ensuring that commanders are kept abreast of what's going on in the galaxy in politics, trade, exploration and security. Typical news updates include this announcement of a new ship-scale instant teleportation system, which instantly removes your ship from danger when its hull is damaged, by moving it far more efficiently than the frameshift drive system to a random location elsewhere. This is how the news was teased. We have a question for you. Would you take the following deal? You receive a billion credits, but every time your hull is damaged, you're teleported to a random location in space. This announcement is clearly highly exciting, and we look forward to hearing further details of the technology as it becomes commercially available. The offer of 1 billion credits to take part in the trial is a nice gesture, but is clearly unnecessary, representing as it does less than a week's earnings for a typical mining specialist. Work is apparently also underway to mitigate the Thargoid threat by gene-splicing the Thargoids with waterfowl. The research team undertaking this dangerous and intricate work are following two different possible paths of research, and have given Pilots Federation members the opportunity to shape this game-changing solution. The question put to commanders is, 
Would you rather fight ten duck-sized Thargoid ships or one Thargoid ship-sized duck? The community of commanders has voted overwhelmingly in favour of turning all the Thargoids into giant ducks, so we can look forward to lots of crispy duck pancakes as the reward for destroying Thargoids. It is believed that these exciting new developments, the emergency ship teleporter, and turning Thargoids into ducks will form the cornerstones of the long-awaited 3306 update. The possibility that the Pilots' Federation's social media manager might have taken a little too much Tarak spice with their Ovaltine and might therefore be making these developments up out of thin air has been discounted. The Thargoids have already won. It's been six weeks now since news was almost completely blacked out. The conclusion of the Riort Year's End celebrations was announced on the 18th of December, and since then there have been just two news releases, both from the Witchhead Nebula. One reporting the renaming of a selection of systems in the Witchhead Nebula to celebrate the defeat of the Thargoids there, and the other announcing that the Thargoids have resumed their attacks in the Witchhead Sector. From the bubble, there has been nothing. From the Pleiades, nothing. From Colonia, nothing. Conspiracy theorists are already deciding that the bubble, the Pleiades and Colonia have in fact already been destroyed by the Thargoids, and that the only remaining stronghold of humanity is in the Witchhead Sector. The commanders who think that they're still flying around the bubble are in fact in a coma, induced by Thargoid poison, and are dreaming that they're still flying their ships while their bodies are in fact being used as a gruesome nursery for Tharglit babies, who live inside their host, eating them from the inside out until they burst out through their chests a fully formed Thargoid. Remember the documentary Alien? Remember the Nostromo, remember the testimony of Warrant Officer Ripley. According to the conspiracy theorists, that was a Thargoid hatching. And that's this week's cheery Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news while we can, so you don't have to. Spider-Man Systems, the premier head of light entertainment for the galaxy, have turned the tables on the trolls quite literally this week. Still reeling from the positively punitive and patently prohibitive punishment they took at the hands of a suspected troll related to the wholly legitimate publishing of Battles Without Lasers, later renamed to Battle Cards, they stepped into their latest venture by inventing something no one had ever thought of before. A table. Not just any table, but a table for your table. 
tabletop gaming will never be the same again as your tabletop tabletops your standard tabletop and stops your standard tabletop game from being ruined by topple tipple washing over your top. Standing on cute little legs, the level up lifts the level up a little so you can place your board on board and keep the tabletop that's under for things you don't want on the top. Sales of this mind-bendingly great product have gone through the roof, and not just because people have been stacking them, on target to raise the game of anyone investing by at least a few inches. There are rumours that due to the success, they're investing in a new distribution megaship, and staff with particularly slobbery tongues to lick all the stamps. Well done, Spider-Mind. We can't wait to see your next cunning invention, and bets have been placed on whether it's under underpants or over overcoats. It certainly sits nicely alongside the 21st century upgrade of going out to going out out.